The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody, to Absurd Psychology. Today, we're going to talk about co-parenting made easy. Co-parenting is such a huge challenge because the truth is you never know who you're married until you divorce them. Uh, You know, people's behavior towards each other shifts monumentally. Not that they don't do a lot of fighting and negative things to each other before getting divorced or breaking up, but a lot of folks uh, do their battle in court thinking a judge is going to uh, right all the wrongs, and unfortunately that romantic ideal just doesn't happen. Uh, Most cases, most uh, judges do about 40 cases a day. They don't have the time to parent your children. They don't have the time to make the rules on your house, and nor do they have the desire to make the rules when you're the one living in it and uh, forcing them to try to make decisions on your children's lives that you should be making as a parent. You know, it's sad, but a lot of people... Uh, expect a judge to uh, to solve their problems and and they need to talk and the deal is is that oftentimes you're gonna find people who don't take it too serious but they should is being ordered to co-parenting courses you know co-parenting courses are awesome usually they're done in about three steps the first one is to introduce you to the idea of co-parenting and what it's about and that's usually by yourself the second one is generally uh, with a group of other co-parents other people that are co-parenting, usually couples of like eight couples will get together and they'll have mediators, one or two, and they'll basically uh, talk about the co-parent experience and what they should be doing with each other. And that that usually irons things out because you get more perspectives than your own and your your spouses. You get outside people with the same problems reflecting. Uh, People usually come out of those situations more constructive. However, if they don't take it serious, they don't. Then the last phase is generally a mediation phase just between the two people and uh, and that is a phase that is oftentimes extremely constructive and keeps people out of court which is exactly what a judge wants it's exactly what your children want unfortunately people want to spend all of their money all of their children's education anything that they ever had in the bank plus going to debt Uh, trying to right all their wrongs with each other. So once again, you never know who you're married to until you divorce them. Now, you know, co-parenting, what is it? You know, it's it's a situation where parents are not you know, in a marriage anymore, or they're co- you know they're not cohabitating. They're not in a relation, uh, romantic relationship. Um, you know, oftentimes it's a parenting situation where two separated or divorced parents take care of their kids. That's what co-parenting is about. The, the term 
it, it can also be used following a divorce or separation where the child's parents seek to maintain equal or equivalent responsibility for the child's upbringing. The whole deal is when you're divorcing, when you're breaking up, Everything is about your kids because they have no choice here. You've got choices. You pick the asshole. You pick the one that that that, that you don't like anymore. You bred with them, and, and for God's sake, you know you're going to have to raise children with them if you did that. You know if you if you get pregnant and you you have children, you bring them to the world, even if they're a nut, if they're a lunatic, if they're uglier and sin, whatever the deal is, you're still going to have a responsibility. Uh, for raising your child and that child is depending on you to do that and so many people lose focus because of they're so emotional and so self-centered that they don't think about their children's life you know the principle of co-parenting you know a, a child has a right in any circumstance to maintain a stable relationship with both parents despite how despicable the other parent may be the child still has a right to both parents and and such a right is based on the cause uh, the concept that a, that a parent is a commitment that an adult takes with respect to their children not to the other parent and, and so you know that cannot and must not be influenced by any kind of situation and separation from the parents you know a successful divorce is one which both parents divorce each other but do not require the child to divorce one of their parents either as a result of parental conflict or by one parent not being available to the child you know that is the deal and you want to maintain that but I'm gonna talk about how to deal with a jerk if that's what you were married to or that's what you broke up with and that's what you have to co-parent with I'm gonna talk about and try to teach you how to deal with those very difficult people so here's when, you know, if you're evaluating, should I break up from my partner? You know, when staying for kids isn't best, you know, you shouldn't get divorced until you earn your way out. That means turning over every stone and exploring every avenue of rehabilitation in a sincere effort to reconnect with your partner. If you've done this and decided that you need to get a divorce but are afraid of it, would harm the kids, you know, you want to consider something. Research shows that kids who grow up in an emotionally barren, abusive environment don't do as well as kids who grow up on a well-adjusted single parent. This is not totally uncontroversial. So to look at some of the research and decide for yourself, here's over 26% of all children in divorce experience poverty and a vastly diminished change in family support, personal care, and lifestyle. Uh, you know, more than 75% of children with divorced parents end up as happy and well-adjusted as their counterparts with intact families. And in a study of more than 1,400 families, and this was done by, uh, for better or worse, uh, Divorce Reconsidered, uh, E. Mavis Hetherington, Ph.D., and John Kelly wrote this book. More than 1,400 families that were in a study, it was found that the other 20% developed some kind of psychological, emotional, and academic problem compared to 10% of the non-divorced group. So there is damage that can be done to children, but, you know, the deal is it's, it's, a, it's a risk. And I would also tell you that if you've got 
parents or p- two people that are fighting in front of their children. They're, they're tearing each other down. They're tearing each other's life apart. They're acting like lunatics and little children. Then the deal is it's probably not good for your kids to grow up watching that kind of model. I mean, kids deserve to have adult parents that are responsible. And you have to remember you're a role model in their life. And you play a big role in how they will look as adults. And so taking the high road is oftentimes a great bit of advice and also also understanding that it's a leap of faith to get in a relationship and it's a leap of faith to get out. And there are consequences to it. So you would need to consider all of those. You know, in another study in which 59 divorced families were interviewed for about uh, over 25 years, it was found that almost all children of divorce grow up with fears about being uh, able to sustain a happy relationship. You know, therapy and supportive uh, spouses can help, but according to the study, growing to adulthood is definitely harder for them, and that is because they have the fear of separation and what's called separation anxiety. You know, when you're going to tell a kid that you're going to break up, and by the way, that advice and that information I just gave you, like I said, is a mixed signal because it is a different set of problems, and uh, it's, it's going to have its consequences. Everything has its consequences, staying together or going apart. So if you're going to tell your kids, you know, that you're going to break up, one of the most challenging and painful tasks is to decide to separate is telling the kids. The key to talking with children is to understand the experience of separation from their point of view. That is huge. And to develop strategies that fit well with each child's age and stage of development. So you have to consider where they're at. You know, children have a very limited ability to understand what is happening during divorce and what they're feeling and why because they don't know what it's about because they haven't experienced it yet. Younger children see things from their own perspective and tend to see things themselves as the cause of the event because they think the whole world centers around them. They often blame themselves for their parents' divorce. Further, most children secretly believe their parents will get back together or wish they would and try to fix things and figure out ways of keeping them together because they think their parents are invincible. Some, some fear that their parents will walk out the door and never come back and need a reassurance uh, that, that they will not be abandoned is going to be there. So you want to communicate that. And some are too afraid to tell anyone they believe they're the only one in the world who feels this way. You know, like adults, children manifest classic stages of grieving, and you have to respect that, including denial, anger, bargaining, sadness, rejection, guilt. All of those are part of the grieving process. Uh, You know, some may also experience relief, which may bring about uh, further feelings of guilt. I know my parents divorced when I was 10 years old, and believe me, I knew how miserable they were. I had two older sisters, but the deal was I was happy they divorced because I no longer had to hear them fight. Am I happy out as the outcome of all that? Well, I turned out okay. We all turned out okay, but it was rough. It was a rough time because basically we ended up raising ourselves throughout that course of life uh, during our teenage years. Some children may have uh, suspect, uh, suspected a separation, and they may feel good about it. They may feel like the, that they're excited about a new life. So when you're telling the kids it's not their fault, that is the number one key. It's not your fault. As parents, you, you always will be there for them is something that you need to communicate to your children. 
Um, you want to reassure them that you'll continue to take care of them and keep them safe, that you love them over and over again, and you will both always be there for them. And that's both. That's speaking for each other. We're still your parents. We may not be together, but we're both going to parent you and do our jobs and take care of you. You also want to be very clear about the reality of the separation. Children need to know and come to realize uh, you know, in very tolerable doses about the reality of separation. The separation was not an easy decision. We put in a lot of effort into making our relationship work, but we decided that we could no longer live together. And one of the saddest consequences of divorce is the pressure some children put upon themselves to fix the problem. Feeling responsible for you getting back together is a huge emotional burden that you do not want do not want your child to undertake. They need to understand this is a decision that you've both made and it's a personal decision for you and it is a decision that hopefully will be good for your child. Also, you want to reflect on your child's feelings and be a good listener and that means validate. You may not agree with them because they may not make any sense to you whatsoever. So what you do is you validate. I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is this. By reflecting back on what they're saying, you're giving them a chance to process, and that is more important than what you're going to say. Let them process, understand, be engaged, look them in the eye. You know, child's grief is very profound. It's important to encourage them to share their thoughts and feelings. They're also anxious about how divorce will affect them, but children need time to digest the information you give them. You know, don't force a discussion of feelings, but be patient. Look for cues and clues about what they're feeling and reflect back what they may be going through. We want you to say what you feel and think. You may feel worried, hurt, angry. Adults have these same feelings too. You know, using books, uh, storytelling, hand puppets, dolls, action figures, drawings to help them express what they're feeling and experiencing are awesome things because oftentimes they can't say to you what they can say to a doll or to an object. Also, playing games with them. Sometimes in the middle of a game, you can have a discussion about how are you feeling or what's going on, and they may talk to you because they're not as preoccupied with uh, how they are. They're playing a game, and sometimes those sub subconscious thoughts come forward. You also want to be as clear and specific as you can be about your future and your co-parenting plans. That means you've discussed this with each other. You've discussed what your behavior towards each other is going to be, what the rules are towards each other. And basically, you lay it out to them how things are going to look as, they, as you co-parent and when they're going to have time and how holidays are going to look, how birthdays are going to look, and how school's going to look and where their home is as far as going to school. Um, all of those things kids need to be anchored on because their life changes drastically. You also want to provide them with choices. You know, over time, it's important that children know their voice will be heard when adult decisions are made about issues that affect their lives. As much as possible, encourage your children to express their needs and options and be part of family discussions. Don't put them in a position where they're responsible to, to make adult decisions, but you also make, want to make them a part of the decision-making. And just as important as knowing what to say is knowing what not to say. Do not blame the other parent for the divorce or give children the message that you're a good parent and the other is a bad one. Children hear criticism of other parents as criticism of half of who they are. Also, do not discuss details of what went wrong between you and a, as a couple. Children do need to know about affairs. 
do not need to know about affairs, money problems, personality conflicts, or other problems in your relationship. That is not something you want to continue to do if you're doing that now. Although there's no a typical breakup and no magic formula, um, it, here's some successful steps to co-parenting. You want to be there for your children, both physically and emotionally. Quantity of time matters and quality relationships are not possible without sufficient routine time to develop and sustain your relationships. So, you know, if you have taken your partner for granted and not spent time with your kids and now you're going to be forced to co-parent, you're going to have to step up and make time in your life for your children. You can't just divvy it all back to your former spouse or partner. You need to take a very active role in their life so that child knows that they have two parents. And it's not, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, sufficient to spend quantities of time with them where you're not really with them. It is not acceptable. You've got to get involved. You also want to talk to your kill ch children, as we said earlier, about the divorce or about the breakup. And make sure they feel uh, safe. Make sure they feel that they are not to blame, that there's nothing to fear, that uh, all of their feelings are valid. You also want to let kids be kids. You know, don't involve them in adult problems. Maintain continuity in their existing routines and relationships and shelter them from the struggles that are properly the responsibility of their parents. You know, th this is something where you have got to rise above your desire to get even. Support the other parent's role in relationship with your children. And you have to recognize that they're going to have different rules. They're going to have different ways of parenting. They're going to have different priorities. They're going to have different values. And you have got to be supportive. You've got one life over there and another life here. You've got two homes, one with that parent and one with me. And the idea is to maximize and optimize the time that your children can spend with each of their parents so they can have the best possible life. If it is a drag to be at one parent's house and there's a lot of fun activities going on at the other parent's house, don't obligate them to spend time just because that's what the court ordered. Give your kid their life back. Let them have fun. They're children. They need to have fun. Some people possess their kids like they're grabbing somebody's nuts. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, they just, you know, just hold on to their poor children and imprison them in their life because this is my time with you. I have to have you. I never see you. Blah, blah, blah. Well, that's all a bunch of victim bullshit. And you can't do that to children. You have got to let them enjoy their childhood. Whenever possible, maintain open communication channels with the other parent. Open and regular communication about your children's life is the deepest and most p important part of co-parenting. And if this is not possible, when phone calls, calls emails, uh, stockpiling concerns is not going to work. You have got to open the door. So, email. we're going to talk about communication later, especially if you have an asshole that you have to deal with. But email, texting, all of that can be done, but there have to be very good, respectful rules around it. Maintain your child's community of support. If there was support there, you don't want those people to leave their life. You want them to be involved in their life, and you want to actually reach out and get more support for your children, especially other kids that have been involved in divorce, because they understand and they can comfort each other in ways that we as adults cannot comfort. 
also, you want to educate yourself about your children's needs, uh, co-parenting options, and resources available to you because you can't do it all. And you are, as a single parent, going to need more support from your family, from your friends, and from other sources in your community. And it's really a good idea to know exactly what those resources are. And you also need to never forget that you have to maintain your own health and well-being as a priority. If you don't do that, because I'll tell you, raising children as a single parent is exhausting. You have got to take care of yourself above all because you, if you have nothing to give, are going to run out of gas on your children, and you don't want to do that. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about parental alienation and reunification after alienation and do's and don'ts and a whole bunch of other information. Continue listening. Thank you. This is Dr. Gary Bell. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Are you good at leading yourself? In order to be more effective leaders in business, as managers, or in any organization, you've got to start by being good at self-leadership. On Leadership Takeoff, host Mo Glenner and his guests bring you the tools to help you lead yourself and your team to truly become the pilot in command. You need to tune in to Leadership Takeoff, live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Because the sky is not the limit. It's only the beginning. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. We're talking about co-parenting. We're going to talk here about parental alienation. You know, parental alienation involves a set of strategies, including bad-mouthing the other parent, limiting contact with that parent, erasing the other parent from the life and mind of your child, uh, forbidding discussion and pictures of the other parent, forcing the child to reject the other parent, creating the impression that the other parent is dangerous, 
forcing the child to choose between parents by means of threats of withdrawal of affection and belittling and limiting contact with the extended family of the targeted parent. That is parental alienation. And believe me, it happens across the board in every city, in every state, in every neighborhood. It is so sad that people are so immature that they do this kind of crap. And boy, does it cost a lot of money in court to get this kind of uh, thing to calm down. You know, every child has a fundamental right and need for an unthreatened and loving relationship with both parents. And to be denied that right by one parent without sufficient justification, such as abuse or neglect, is in itself a form of child abuse. Since it is the child who is being violated by a parent's alienating behaviors, it is the child who is being alienated from the other parent. So children who have undergone forced separation from one of their parents in the absence of abuse, including cases of parental alienation, are highly subject to post-traumatic stress. And reunification efforts in these cases should proceed carefully. And I'm not talking about reunification of the couples. I'm talking about reunification of the child to the alienated parent. They need to transform from a very hated environment, the child's confused, to all of a sudden a safe environment to the parent in which they've been alienated from. And, and they need to transform quickly uh, from refusing and staunchly resisting the rejected st uh, parent to be able to show and receive love from that parent. And that is the damage done there is horrible. And so what you as a therapist, what I do, what I have to do is I have to help this child reunify with someone that they vilified because of their parent. One of them decided to turn the child against the other parent. And um, yeah, people like to use their children to get vengeance. It's just sickening. Um, you know, hatred is not an emotion that comes naturally to a child. It has to be taught. A, a parent who would teach a child to hate or fear the other parent represents a grave and persistent danger to the mental and emotional health, well-being of that child. It also suggests there's potential mental disorders within that parent. You know, alienated children are no less damaged than other child victims of extreme conflict such as child soldiers, abducted children who identify their tormentors to avoid pain and maintain a relationship with them, such as uncles or aunts who've molested or, or cousins. Uh, that is something that we have to take into account. The damage that you cause alienating your child from the other parent is just as grave as it is to have your child abducted. And alienated children seem to have a secret wish for someone to call their bluff, compelling them to reconnect with the parent they claim to hate. Despite strongly held positions of alignment, alienated children want nothing more than to be given the permission and freedom to love and be loved by both parents. And that is essential. That the influence of all the alienating parent is too strong to withstand. And so what happens is the child fears that the alienating parent may fall apart or withdraw his or her love as, as they uh, rejoin the other parent. And so that parent has to do what they do when we uh, tend to break up. When we break up, we have to comfort the child. We have to make them feel like it's safe. We have to feel, make them feel that we're supportive of this behavior. And we have to also accent the positives of that other person. And that may sound sick if you hate that other person, but you're doing this for your child. And you have to remember 
All of this is done in behalf of your child. Reunification after alienation uh, is is a uh, there's a strategy to it, and, and what it is is you want to erode a child's negative feelings uh, by providing. Uh, by providing congruent information. You also want to uh, refrain from actions that put the child in the middle of conflict. And you also want to consider ways to mollify the anger and hurt of alienating the other parent. You want to look for ways to dismantle the coalition between the child and the alienating parent and convert enemies to allies. And you never want to get up, give up on reunification efforts. That's critical. It's critical to maintain that. Now, also with alienating parents, it's important to emphasize that it is, the, it is a responsible parenting involves respecting the other parent's role in the child life. Uh, any form of denigration of a former partner or co-parent is harmful. Children's connections to each parent must be fully respected to ensure their well-being, as children instinctively know that at the core of their being, that they are half of their mother and half of their father, and that must be respected. So here's some do's and don'ts. Do not sabotage your child's relationship with the other parent. Don't use your child as a pawn to get back or hurt your ex. Don't use your child to gain information or to manipulate or influence your ex. Transfer hurt feelings and frustration towards your ex through your child. That's a no-no. Force your child to choose a side when there's a conflict in scheduling or another planning challenge. Turn family events into pressure cookers. These are don'ts, guys. Don't. Depend too much on your child for companionship and support because you're hurt and lonely. I cannot tell you how many parents turn their children into their best friend when they get divorced. It is the saddest thing in the world because now the child has lost their childhood. They have to hold up their parent and prop them up. Get a therapist. Treat your child like an adult because you're lonely or just want help. No, no, no. Become so emotionally needy that your child develops feelings of guilt if he or she spends time with others. That's a don't. Convert guilt into overindulgence when it comes to satisfying your child's material desires, going out and buying them happiness. That only lasts for a moment. Believe me, I've done it. You know, convert guilt into overindulgence when it comes to satisfying, you, you know, I've already said that, but th there are two important rules concerning children during times of crisis and instability in your family. Do not burden your children with situations they cannot control. Children should not bear responsibility for adult and family situations. That is to parents to do that. And don't ask your children to deal with adult issues. Now, here's some do's. Commit to learn, adopt, or apply all the, all the principles of good parenting. Sit down with your ex. Make an affirmative action plan that sets aside any differences you may both have and focuses instead on meeting the needs of your children. Agree with your ex that you absolutely won't disparage each other. And forbid your children to disparage in front of the opposite parent. Do do negotiate and agree on how you can best handle such things as handing off children for visitations, holidays, events. These children deserve all of that. 
agree on boundaries and behavioral guidelines for raising your children so that there's consistency in their life, regardless of which parent they're with at any given time. Also, you want to uh, communicate actively with your ex about all aspects of your child's life, including sharing the good things and the bad things. And you also do not want to lean on the other parent to parent for you. You need to parent for yourself and your child. We also have to recognize that children are prone to te testing a situation. I've always said to folks that, you know, their job's to jiggle the handle, your job's to lock the door. So you also want to set up a new set of rules in your home and boundaries around how you operate as a parent, which may be entirely different than what you were like when you were with their, uh, their, their uh, parent, their other parent, excuse me. So, you know, you want to focus your efforts on uh, what your children need most. And what they need from you is what's called emotional integrity. And, and during this time, acceptance, assurance of safety, freedom from guilt, blame for their parents' breakup, structure a stable parent who has the strength to conduct business and the ability to leave their children to be children. That is what the child needs. That's what they want. So... Here's some things you want to do when you are looking at the idea of your child not liking after you've moved on and the child doesn't like who you're with or they don't like the new spouse. You know, it, here's some things you got to do because that situation is a power keg. It has got so much involved in it. First of all, your ex, your new spouse is not going to be like your ex. Your new spouse is going to come from a different set of rules, a different family background, have a different set of values, and this is not their biological child. So the best you can hope for is a nice aunt or uncle. You do not want, and I can't tell you how many parents have done this, have put the... Uh, the new spouse or new partner into the role of parenting. You can't do that because you're saying that I'm no longer your biological parent. This is your parent. You're going to have to listen to them. They should, you know, an ex, excuse me, a, a spouse, a new spouse, their role is to support you. Yes, if a child does things that affect the entire family, like putting uh, stuff in the middle of the living room, you know, dirtying up the dishes, things that affect everybody, that's one thing. They, they should be able to parent in that scenario. But for them to parent to a child's grades, to a child's needs, uh, to a child's uh, emotional needs, that's not a good idea. That's something that it should be left always to the biological. And if you dump and run your child on your spouse, shame on you. Now, if your child doesn't like the new spouse, whether you're uh, the, the new husband, wife, or the ex, or the spouse caught in the middle, you have responsibility to resolve the conflict. I can tell you that in a situation where there is a new spouse or a new partner, it is a good idea to welcome them to the family if you're the ex, to, to try to embrace them as an ally and a friend. Uh, they may be as despicable as your, your ex is, uh, if that's how you feel, but the deal is they have contact with your child, so you want to get to know that person. You don't want to alienate your child from that person. That, that, that ex, uh, that new spouse, that new partner is not going to replace you. That is your own insecurities. And, and there is no way that they can be your child's parent. 
So, you know, whatever happens, they have, you have a responsibility as parents to your children to resolve any conflict with the new spouse. And if you are the person who has the existing relationship with the, uh, with the ex and he or she is in conflict with your partner, it is your job to fix the situation. You can't stand on the sidelines, get in the game and be the objective one and try to resolve that issue between them. And you also understand that if your ex is less than cooperative, it doesn't release you from your responsibility as a spouse and a parent to stand in between the feuding parties and resolve the conflict. So if it is just diffusing it, you can't make them be friends, you can't make them communicate, then that's the way it's going to be, and that's okay. But you have the job to diffuse. Don't put them in a, in a situation where they're going to be at conflict with each other. And if there are children involved in the situation, stop being selfish and start putting your children's interests ahead of you. You have a responsibility to work things out for their sake. So you want to make a life decision at a heart level to take a high road and not let your children pay the price. And that's that's like going to their school events, going to their sports, going to activities. You need to behave like adults. You don't have to like each other, but you do want to behave towards each other. You also want to agree on a plan that allows you and your ex and your new spouse to exist as co-allies for your children. And you want to know that you don't have to like the other person in order to end the battle. What's important is that you treat the adult figures in your child's life with dignity and respect. And if you demean a child's parent or step-parent, you're hurting your child by venting your anger at your child's expense. And that is a no-no. And so, uh, because what you're doing is you're making the other parent have to defend someone, that, that's not good. Your child needs to have as many supportive adults in their life as possible. You know, as angry as you may be because of a feud, understand that it makes no difference who is right or who is wrong. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Do you want to be right or do you want to have a well-adjusted child? You want a well-adjusted child and you want to be happy, believe me. If you find it hard to let go of a dispute and want to continue laying blame, ask yourself why you stay plugged into the fight. Why are you willing to spend so much life energy on it? What is the victory you hope, for, hope to achieve? There is no victory. The only thing is losses, and the losses are taken by your child. Focus on making changes in your life that can lessen the tension in the situation, whether that means avoiding verbal arguments, uh, resisting the urge to meddle or do things that you know will push buttons. You owe it to yourself and your children. Don't do it. Search your heart. Forgive yourself and the individuals you've been having the dispute with for everything that has transpired. You can't release the anger and move forward unless you forgive yourself and each other. And remember, you know, forgiveness is a conscious choice. We don't have bad intentions here. And if we assume our partner or our ex-spouse or whoever, the, the ex, the other parent, the co-parent, has bad motives, then we're going to communicate to our children as if our, our uh, ex is a bad person. And that is not, that's their parent. And once again, that's half of them. So we want to be supportive in that way. Now we're going to talk about co-parenting communication. I'm going to give you some tools, some rules, and, and other things here. So, you know, when you're co-parenting, you want to keep your focus. When you're co-parenting in your communication, you want to be brief, and to the point, and stay focused on your child. Stay focused on the present or future events. You don't want to bring up past problems or situations. You want to be positive. 
and you want to use a business-like tone, not a familiar tone, a business-like tone. And remember the reason for your communication. You're passing on information to the other parent, so you want to keep your cool. You don't want to jump to conclusions or overreact when you're listening to the other parent. You, you don't want to write in capital letters to make a point. This can give the impression that, that you're angry or you're unreasonable. You also don't want to criticize, blame, or accuse the other parent in your communication, whether it's verbal, it's in writing. What you want to do, you know, if, if some of your sentences begin with you always or you never, you've slipped into a blaming or angry tone and a victim tone, and what's going to happen is you're going to get a bad, rude awakening uh, from the other parent. Don't make rude, mean, or sarcastic comments about the other parent. Don't make demands. Don't use profanity. Keep it courteous and cooperative. Do provide the other parent with reasonable deadlines and due dates. Do use courteous and respectful words such as please and thank you despite how much you believe they don't deserve it. And you want to be cooperative. You want to write the communication as if someone such as a judge or a decision maker will read it. You know, co uh, cooperating with your co-parent says your child is the first priority. We're going to take another break. Once again, I'm going to give you some tools of communication. I'll give you some rules. Now we're going to go into tools, all right? Come back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Are decisions at the leadership level determined by influences of external factors? Discover by tuning into From the Boardroom to the Bedroom, The Protocol Praxis with Suzanne Z. Pedro. Science reveals that decisions are made subconsciously based on emotions and learning which occurs before one is aware. So take a chance. Open the door. Reframe your critical decisions with proven successful strategies. The boardroom to the bedroom. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about co-parenting. I'm going to try to give you some tools uh, to co-parent 
with. And I would tell you that there is a incredible tool out there. There are several programs out there, uh, email programs that are used. But one of the best, I believe, is Our Family Wizard. Our Family Wizard is a great tool to uh, f uh, solicit communication from your former spouse because it, it is uh, recognized by the courts. It is an email system that is very secure. It also uh, gives you ways to uh, pass receipts and financial information to each other. I mean, it's designed for co-parents, and, and it's a beautiful tool if you use it to uh, give you clear communication with each other. It also has lots of recommendations as far as the boundaries to use in your messages um, because, you know, you got to take a breath before you write your partner or your ex-partner because if you're especially in a heated situation, you really need to take a breath and really be brief and once again focus back on your kids. You can't use these tools to, to get back at each other because if you do use the email uh, for instance or texting these are all legal documents with timestamps on them and they demonstrate your behavior and oftentimes the venting words that we use on paper can be oh so damaging I don't think anybody would communicate the kind of words that they use in the emails to each other that they would at work I mean if you apply the rules at work that's what you need to apply in a co-parenting situation you need to apply work rules to yourself despite how you may feel about the person you're communicating with it is a business deal and that's pretty much all that's left of the relationship so email communication is quick and effective. It, it allows you to create a true record of your communication. Your parenting plan might include the use of email to contact the other parent about your child, but the plan also has to have an agreement of response, and that's usually 48 hours, no more, uh, no less than, or no more than 48 hours. Once you've sent a message, uh, you can also, like with the family wizard, you can send a, a, a message will come to you to say, hey, you've got a message in your box. So, so it's important to get back to each other because respect is everything. Your communication plan may be specific that you, you file or print all exchanged emails and keep an email notebook for future reference uh, and it's also for future litigation if you need it. But once again, the litigation should be about your child. It should be about what's best for your child, not trying to seek justice about what that former person in your life has done to you. Text messaging is also extremely effective because it allows you and the other parent to make quick exchanges about basic information. However, if there's a disagreement, texting is a horrible place to do it. A lot of people make huge mistakes texting, especially when they've drink, drank alcohol, taken drugs, on medication, they're tired, they've had a bad day, and they fire things at each other by text that is basic venting. And it, the fact is, it's a true record of communication, and despite what you do, you will have to answer for it later. Sometimes technological problems or uncharged phone batteries may prevent timely delivery of text messages. So if a parent and child exchange uh, frequently uh, exchange uh, text messages during the, the co-parent's custodial time, the co-parent may not welcome or appreciate the texting. So, you know, if you're going to text your kid when they're on the other parent's clock, it's kind of disrespectful to be doing that. You need to allow the other parent to have time with the child. I understand, you know, certain communication that needs to take place, but that's a very special time and you're intruding. So you want to be very careful about intruding on your child's time, including if they're just sitting in their room by themselves and you're texting and texting back and forth, 
that's not good either. They, they're still at the other parent's house, and, and they need to, to not blend it. It's very confusing for children, especially young children, to be receiving communication in one parent's home uh, uh, when they're staying at the other parent's home. Also, telephone calls are very effective unless there's a specific reason to restrict direct contact, like a restraining order. The telephone can be an important and useful tool to communicate with the other parent. However, regular telephone communication should be used only if you and the co-parent have been able to communicate without uh, a conflict breaking out. You may want to set up a time for phone calls, for example, between 6.30 and 7.30 p.m. You know, some families limit uh, phone calls to five minutes each, uh, one call per day, whatever, but you want to have rules around it. You don't want to just be an open book ready for a phone call or ready for something to happen. You know, respect is everything. There's no name calling, no nicknames, no abusive language. There is listening and validating. It doesn't mean you agree when you validate. I understand or I hear what you're saying. You just have to validate. You, you, you just, you still have to work with that other person whether you like them or not. So, you know, once again, the rules of email is keeping it short and clear. Um, do, do not have more than one issue to cover. Num if you're going to have it, number them and break them out and be brief with all of that communication. Emails should relate to present or future activities only. They should not rehash or make judgments about past events. Emails should not blame or criticize the other parent about past events. And an email should be limited to exchanging parent information. Do not bring up financial issues. Financial matters should be handled separately from parenting discussions. So sending email, you Use specific lines on all meal, e email, like John's football game, Melissa's dance, uh, the recital. Parents may end up with hundreds of emails within a file, so using specific subject line will lead them back to that information. If you don't title each subject differently and each email separately so that, that it refers to the content in the email, then that is going to be confusing and it's going to be hard to hold the other parent accountable. Also, in general, a parent should reply. The best result, once again, is 24 hours, but 48 hours is a respectable time uh, for email, and, and that is something that you, you both need to talk about and decide what to agree to. You know, also, step-parents cannot or significant others should not be involved in any email communication unless the co-parent agrees or gives permission. Step-parents should not send emails. Step-parents should not be copied on email, sent to the other parent. An email should not be sent from a step-parent's name and email box. A step-parent's name should not appear in the CC section. This is, uh, and if you choose to blind copy your spouse or significant other on an email, that's your business. But don't boldly place that kind of information in front of your ex. That is very disrespectful and they have no business involved in the, the parenting of the biological parents. Um, you know, if, if you can't stand your ex, here's some things that might help you. You know, you want to reduce your expectations. You know, expecting your ex to be the kind of parent you need them to be or, or, or to be, uh, it, this creates a lot of frustration. You know, while some exes flourish as parents of divorce, others become very ornery, very annoying. The rule of thumb is to expect no more than the ex was doing in the marriage and brace for less now 
because they have other priorities. Even if you think they should be doing a better job, remember it's not up to you to police your ex-parent. So it, it, that your ex, your ex, as far as their parenting, you know, this is huge. You've got to lower those expectations. Otherwise, you're going to be emotional and you're going to be a hater. And, and you don't want to be a hater because hate is a very strong word. But when it comes to an ex, there may not be a lot of other words um, to describe the level of negative feelings you have for them. However, to hate causes you stress. And it makes it hard to parent effectively. So you want to get help. Get a therapist and talk and learn how to manage that anger because you're giving that ex a lot of power if you're going to project hate on them. Uh, you also want to look at that person through your child's eyes, not your eyes, not what you've experienced, but what your child's eyes are. You are most likely making your children the priority when it comes to co-parenting, but sometimes the mind can become clouded with negativity. Empathy is a great stress reducer, and it can really help to shift a detrimental perspective. Try to see your ex through your child's eyes in a view that is m most likely idealized and positive. Children will do anything to maintain an attachment to a parent, even in the face of horrible behavior. And you can learn from their innocence. And you want to look at that other spouse, that ex, as your children look at them. And you also want to let go of control. And most people are control freaks, and they get freaky when they don't control. So co-parenting with an ex is one big lesson of letting go. You may not approve of your ex's parenting or what they do with the kids during their time, but this is mostly out of your control, and you have to accept that. You have to accept the fact that they are going to parent different than you. They are going to have a different set of rules, and they're going to bring different people in their lives, and there's going to be a whole different uh, kid than the one you were raising together coming out of this. If your ex is stonewalling you and refusing to share information about your child's well-being, you need to manage that anxiety. Your ability to relinquish your illusory power will not only reduce your frustration and stress, but it will open space for you to enjoy your time alone. You cannot change your ex with your will and desire to be right. You can only model with the hope of being a positive influence on them. Also, value your influence. Having your kids half the time or sometimes less may invoke a feeling of powerlessness with regard to your parental influence. So all parents worry about scarring their children emotionally. And divorced parents may fear that parenting going on in the other home may damage their little ones. But if you're a parent who dreads letting your kids go with your ex or who's concerned about the lack of authority, try to remember that whatever you are doing will be enough. They will remember the way you parent in your home and they will remember the way the other parent parents in they, their home and they will make their own choices when they grow up. Your children love you. They are attached to you and need you to be strong and centered as good enough, which is all you can be, as the parent you are. Okay? So here's some very quick tips. Um, don't force your children to choose sides. Allow and encourage your children to maintain ties with their grandparents, their uncles, their aunts, their cousins on both the mother and the father's side. You want to opt for a positive tone when you talk to your children about your ex. And even if your ex does, uh, uh, denigrates you, don't answer. Spare them the details. Spare your children the details. Don't make your children your messengers. 
you know, we have so many tools to communicate. We don't need to use our children to do that. You want to also want to detach yourself from your ex. You're, you're broken up. You're divorced. That means your marriage is over. That means your relationship's over. So you can live without them, and you need to move on. And you don't want to be involved in a relationship with someone who does not appreciate you and puts you down. Uh, you know, you don't want to maintain something if it is negative with that ex. If it is, then you need to limit your your uh, your communication with them. And so, what I'm going to talk about is the last resort, which is called parallel parenting. And here's how to practice it. You know, it's a radical acceptance. It means letting go of fighting reality. Divorce is terrible enough, but have to have a divorce that is hellish to make co-parenting impossible is another kind of life altogether. So, parallel parenting. Parenting means you communicate as little as possible. Stop talking on the phone. When speaking with a hostile ex, you'll likely be drawn into an argument and nothing will get resolved. You also want to make very strong rules for communication. Hostile exes tend to ignore boundaries, so you'll have to be very clear about the terms of communication, and you want to stick to them, and if they don't follow it, then you don't answer. Email or texting should be used only for logistics, travel, a proposed weekend, doctor's appointments. If your ex tends to use emails to harass you, tell them you will not respond. Use the delete key. Do not respond to threats of lawsuits. People will threaten each other all the time. Don't respond. Tell your ex that any discussion of litigation must go to your attorney or you are not just, you're just not going to respond to it. Do that in court. They have the right to do that. You also want to be, uh, avoid being together at child-related functions if you have a uh, parallel parenting situation where it's the last resort. You don't want your kids seeing you together if you are hostile to each other. It creates more stress for them and it makes uh, things very difficult. The best thing to do is do curbside drop-offs and trade-off hosting uh, birthday parties, things like that. But don't you, you want to stick to a very uh, rigid schedule with each other. And you also want to be proactive with school staff and mental health professionals, letting them know that you're having a very difficult time with your ex. And you don't want to sweat the small stuff. And that's the biggest part about parallel parenting is you don't want to nitpick each other because you're not going to get what you want out of each other. So that's our show. We talked about co-parenting. I've tried to give you as much as I possibly could. Um, our next show is Living Honestly. That means living within the truth. I want to thank everyone for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback. DRGBMFT at SBCGlobal.net or Twitter at DRGBMFT. Remember, have you ever looked at your ex and wondered, was I drunk when the entire relationship? Also, here's a quote from Billy Ray Cyrus. I'm, I'm so miserable without you. It's almost like you're here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to uh, living honestly next week. Thanks for joining. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.